Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Hey, all right. That was our good friend Sophia Torres there with the great introduction. I'm Mike Carter here with uh, my co-host, as always, Chris Torres. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Good afternoon, baseball fans. Uh, we're two weeks away from the trading deadline, and I want you guys to know, those of you that have been our consistent listeners over the last six to eight months, that I did check in periodically with Chris this weekend as his beloved Yankees slipped into last place. Last week, you might remember that Chris put me on the spot to talk about my beloved, floundering, inept White Sox. Chris, how are you feeling today about the Yankees? Give us a 30-second summary of what you are feeling and seeing with this team. Well, first, I got to point out, um, and, and I got to say, I appreciate this. Uh, you are standing in solidarity with me uh, by rocking a Yankee cap, which I completely did not expect. You threw me off uh, by having that on for today. So I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure you're loving, after I put you on the spot last week, you, you got to do it after Yankees are now in last place. I think this is the latest they've been in last place in the season in like 30 years or some, something crazy like that. Um, listen, I, I told you back in March, this team stunk and, um, you know, it, it's played out kind of exactly how I thought it would. Uh, yeah, I don't care that they're above 500. I don't care that they're, technically within striking distance of a wild card spot to me it, it doesn't matter uh we knew this team was flawed it was poorly constructed it lacked depth uh and it was absolutely not a world series contender uh, i don't want to hear either about injuries or unlucky breaks uh, aaron judge what i don't want to hear it look at the dodgers look at uh the raids these teams have lost entire starting rotations and they're still in first place uh, the Yankees should have been Brian Cashman specifically because he's apparently the one calling the shots. They should have been better prepared for that. And, uh, listen, you know, I know Brian Cashman has his apologists and I'm firmly on the other side, um, of that. I, I, I think he's done a really poor job for many years now. Uh, and I think it's really, we're looking at them entering kind of a, a dark period here. And, uh, you know, just like, you know, people say, oh, well, Brian Cashman, look at the guys he finds. You know, look at Matt Carpenter or, you know, some of these under the radar guys. It, Brian Cashman, he he's like me in the bedroom. All right. Yeah. Guy's got one move. All right. And I won't tell you what my move is, but I'll tell you, Brian Cashman's move is one thing. If the Yankees are having trouble, go try to find uh, some washed up left handed hitter who he thinks could hit a few home runs in Yankee Stadium. How many have they cycled through already? Jake Bowers. Uh, Billy McKinney, Frankie Cordero. Uh, I'm I'm missing one other player. Uh, Willie Calhoun. You know, he just like he he thinks he's going to catch lightning in a bottle, and the Yankees all of a sudden are going to be fixed. And uh, you know, they these guys will chip in a little bit, but it's not sustainable. Uh, so this team is really just falling apart. Uh, I'm not surprised at where they are, and at this point, I hope they sell. I hope they, they kind of reset and kind of do, I, you know, I agree with what he did back in, I think it was 2016, where he started to sell off pieces and was realistic about his chances. Uh, I hope he doesn't look at them being within, you know, striking distance of a wild card and sticks with this team. It's time to sell. It's time to reset. This team is going nowhere. Well, Chris, um, that was about a three-minute dialogue, so thank you. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, you are, what did you expect? <laughs> you know I'm going to get worked up, so <laughs> what do you expect? Well, I just wanted to hear from your perspective. And, you know, I think 
you're you're not as far away as you think you are from having a good team there. Unfortunately, the White Sox are very far away, I think, from having a good team again. But at least I'm not a White Sox fan. I will that is you know, that is correct. And and Chris is absolutely right. I did wear my Yankees hat today, which I purchased at Yankee Stadium about six years ago to be in solidarity with my friend Chris to share his pain and suffering. Also, for those of you who are listening, you heard Chris make a mention about having only one move in the bedroom. I can confirm from having talked to Mrs. Torres that that is bribery. The, the move is bribery. That is the only <laughs> it's the only way that it works for Chris. But anyway, moving right along here, let us get back to where we really do well, and that's having wonderful guests. And with us today, we have a return guest, and that's Levi Weaver. Now, Levi was one of our first guests on the show last winter and is back by popular demand. In fact, that was one of our most popular episodes by listenership. Uh, over the course of the last year. For those of you who are not familiar with Levi, you should be. Uh, Levi does the wind-up MLB newsletter for The Athletic, and for the last two years before he did that, was covering the Texas Rangers and has also done work for MLB.com and Baseball Prospectus. Levi, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today besides melting in Texas? Oh my gosh, it's like 107 degrees here. By the way, it was seven years covering these Rangers before I moved to the wind-up. It was uh, a lot. I got to be there for the 2016 playoffs and then just misery for six years after that. So if if I sound a little beaten down, um, that's why the the one year that I finally leave and go do the the MLB newsletter. Now they're setting the league ablaze and they are going to be in the playoffs. Um, I did. I grew up a a Rangers fan. And the only reason that I bring that up is to tell you that like after watching the Rangers get stomped uh, in the playoff, they, they finally made the playoffs for the first time in 1996. Uh, I was 16. And when I was 16, 18 and 19, they made the playoffs. And every time they got absolutely walloped by the Yankees. <clears throat> and so younger me probably wouldn't be able to bring myself to do this, but I'm now technically a national baseball writer. And if it is in solidarity and if it is, and as celebrating is the wrong word, but if it is to do with the pain and suffering of Yankees fans, um, I can, I can, uh, I can partake in this, <laughs> in this act of solidarity uh, for for Chris. So, I by the way, I'm I'm with Mike on this. I think the Yankees are better, um, probably than you think. But it, but you are right that it's a lot of aging guys. So like you know, Josh Donaldson was a shell of himself this year before he got hurt. Uh, what, how old is DJ LeMahieu? Like 35, I think? 35, 36? Uh, Rizzo's Mm -hmm. in his early to mid 30s. Even Aaron Judge is over 30. Like, those are Stanton's 30, what, 32? Something like that, 33? Mm -hmm. These are all guys who, in name, should be producing more than they are and, and just aren't this year. Um, the track record is long enough, I think, on most of these guys that it would not at all surprise me to see them rattle off. 8, 10, 12 wins in a row sometime in August or September and go really make a run at the division. Um, if not, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the wild card is there for the, for the taking as well. Um, but I can see both sides of that as well. They haven't done it yet this year. There's a very good chance they don't. And if they don't, like if, if so here's a question for you, Chris. If the Yankees do decide to, to sell, who do they, who do they trade? Like who has value right now? <laughs> That's a very good question. There's not much. I mean, like you you just laid out the players that you know are uh, are aging and declining, and I I don't know how much you're going to get for you know DJ LeMahieu with a huge contract. 
Nobody wants him. Rizzo, big contract. Nobody wants him. Guys and hit a home run since who knows when. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there there's not a lot there. So uh they're they're not getting rid of Cole. Obviously they just signed Rodon. Severino's trade value is probably at an all time low. So I mean that that's fair. There's really there's not much I I guess you can do besides stamp hat. Mm-hmm. Um you know, maybe some of their bullpen arms, uh, you know, could be mm. of value, like a Clay Holmes. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not like a Roldis Chapman, a couple, you know, back in 2016 when they got a top prospect for him. There's nobody on this team like that right now. You know, I guess the main thing is I just don't want them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just jaded. Uh, you know, no, wait, you no. know a Yankees no. fan? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, maybe I'm just looking at it through this, this lens. It's really negative, but I, I just don't see this team going anywhere. And I, I don't want to get any sense of false hope. Uh, but you know, I, I guess you're right. There's really, there's really not much you could do except just go forward and hopefully you get healthier, you get judged back and maybe they can make a run. But just not happy with the team right now. Okay, I can't yeah, hat for one segment. My hair's going to light itself on fire if they do that for any longer. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the show of solidarity. That was very kind of you. For those of you, you know, we know that you can't see us because we don't use the video stream and the pod in the podcast, but we are all wearing Yankees hats right now. So, and a show of solidarity for our friend Chris. So, <laughs> anyway, Levi, getting to some of this, the meteor stuff that you've been working on, you recently had an article with Ken Rosenthal and The Athletic detailing the 10 biggest questions heading into the second half of the season. By the way, if you've not read that, you have to go get that and, and check it out. It was really well done. What was one question that you had that did not make it on that list? Oh, I have so many questions because there's so much <laughs> that I just don't know. Um, no, I, I think I'll give you two that I think were really pressing. One for me was, are the Phillies good? Because they've played better lately. And they seem to be, they're not going to catch the Braves. Nobody, I don't think anybody is going to catch the Braves, but the Phillies have played better lately. They appear to be really the sort of team that could be, I mean, they're, they're, it's a different roster construction than the Yankees, but both of those are teams that have the talent to, once they get into the playoffs, make life miserable for some other people. Um, and, but I, I'm just, I look at their roster sheet and in the last two weeks, um, let me let me pull this up real quick because I want to make sure that I got these numbers exactly right. Um, there it is. So offensively, last two weeks, they've got one guy, Christian Pache, which, by the way, I would not have expected this to be the guy. And also, it's only 22 plate appearances. One guy with an OPS over 1,000. And, uh, you know, that OPS over 1,000 for two weeks is kind of my, like, yeah, he's definitely on a hot streak reason. Uh, doesn't mean he's a 1,000 OPS hitter. It just means he's on a hot streak. Um, Brandon Marsh is at 970. And after that, you got Bryce Harper at 839. You got, uh, I'm sure I these arranged correctly. Where's Trey Turner? Um, he's, he's killing me this year. <laughs> Trey Turner is at, uh, I'm going from the bottom up 698. Wow. Which is, uh, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like you it's a good team with a lot of players you expect. Nick Castellanos, 671 over the last couple of weeks. Um, JT Real Muto, 635 over the last two weeks. So these are guys that you expect to like really be producing and, and they're really not. And yet the team is still climbing in the standings. I think they're seven and three in their last 10 games. 
they, they've been finding ways to get it done. Um, I'm very confused by the Phillies. I'm confused by if they are good or not. And I really don't have any, honestly, that's probably why it didn't make the 10 questions because I was at least supposed to make a good faith effort to maybe answer some of them. And I just, I have no answers for, for what's going on in Philadelphia. I don't know if they're good. Um, I am intrigued by them. Um, and then the other one was, uh, uh Carlos Correa is, is he going to be worth the money that the twins paid him? I mean, what a just bonkers off season it was with him, you know, signing with the giants and then the Mets and then failing physicals with both and, and ending up back in Minnesota. And then his production just hasn't quite been what they expected. The twins are not a good team. Their, their pitching has been really good. Their offense has been garbage. And yet they are currently what one game. Are they, I think they're in first place right now in the AL Central. They are, they are in first place in the AL Central. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's, they're in first place in the AL Central. And by the way, their record is at time of recording one game over 500. They're 48 right. and 47. That would put them in last. They, that's worse than the Yankees, by the way, Chris. Um, they, they're not, they're not a team that if they make the playoffs, anybody really should have to worry too much. The pitching's reasonably good. Sonny Gray's been great. Um, not a great team. And Carlos Correa has not, put out the type of product and and he stayed as far as we know more or less healthy so that that was my other question like what's going on with carlos Correa? is he actually healthy is he going to put it together um i could also have gone with his replacement in houston jeremy pena who was a superstar in the playoffs last year and has not put up the numbers that the astros fans have expected this year but i don't think those are necessarily the i mean the phillies have a, a chance to be very relevant as far as like the national scene goes i i don't no, the twins are going to be good enough that the Carlos Correa question is like a massive one. Um, and then I think the Astros have enough other players. Their offense has been reasonably okay enough lately that it's probably not the end of the world if Jeremy Pena isn't Jeremy Pena. Um, but yeah, those are the three I think that, that I probably would have added if it had been 13 questions. See, I gave a three minute answer to a 30 second oh, no, question you and you asked for one thing and Levi gave you three. So that's seems to be the theme of of the episode here i like it um but levi i wanted to ask you you do awesome work for the athletic and i i just feel like you have like a different take on things and it's always uh you just have a, a attack things from a very interesting angle and you're doing that in this daily piece that you're doing with ken rosenthal called the wind up um really cool what you're doing over there uh tell us a little bit about that article and how you even got started with it uh, well, that one was because it was the all-star break and nobody was, there were no games. And we usually, so our usual format is we'll have, I, you know, I'll, I will write three sort of sections of a couple hundred words each. Most of the time it points to some work that the actual journalists on our site are doing. Uh, I, I don't consider what I'm doing really journalism right now. I'm basically aggregating other people's work and putting it in a newsletter. So people will actually check out the work that our, that our beat writers do. Um, so that's the usual format and there's usually enough games and things going on to, um, to fuel that. There's, there's more than enough to, to choose from over the all-star break. That's kind of when writers try to take a little break. The, the baseball world tries to take a little break. We had the all-star game. It happened. And then we're like, what are we going to do with this extra day? Yeah. And so I thought, well, let's just change it up. Let's do, let's look forward to the second half and see if we can come up with 10 questions. And then obviously Ken Rosenthal is the star of the show. I mean, he has his section every day. He wrote a couple of the of the questions that we did, and um, man, that guy is 
an absolute consummate professional. Uh, I feel very fortunate to work with him. So, uh, yeah, that was more putting it into that 10 questions format was probably just more like necessity than anything else. We were all in the middle of an all-star break. Right. Well, just in general, like the, the idea for, for the windup for the newsletter. Um, how oh, I misunderstood the question. That's embarrassing. Sorry. No, no, no. That's all right. <laughs> not at all. Um, no, that was not, not my idea. Uh, I, they, some of our bosses were like, Hey, we're launching a newsletter. Newsletters are important to the New York Times. Um, does anybody want to do this? I had been covering the Rangers for seven years. Uh, I needed, uh, I, I, I honestly, if I'm being like, like full disclosure, like I, I really feel like I hit some burnout the last couple of years, um, mm-hmm. just being at the ballpark or on the road all the time, just away a lot. I've got two kids. Um, I spent way too much time away from them before it was baseball. I was a touring singer songwriter and I'd be on tour and be away a lot. And I just needed to be home more. And for the first time in my life, like seriously, since I was in college, I have weekends off and that's like pretty cool. Like I, it's taken me some time to adjust to what it even means to be able to like have a Saturday night to hang out with kids or hang out with friends or, you know, do some, I joined a Sandlot baseball team. Like I, <laughs> I feel like I do stuff. So the reason that I, that I um, applied was really just honestly, like I, I was kind of hitting a moment of, um, I don't know, a personal crisis sounds very dramatic. I don't know if I want to call it that, but just one of those moments where you realize like, I can't keep doing this the way that I'm doing it. Something's got to change. And, um, so yeah, that's what, that's, that's how what happened. I feel pretty lucky. I got the job. Well, you do a great job with it. And, and, um, we really enjoy your work and, and seeing it on Twitter. And I'm sure that even in those moments, it's, it's gotta be somewhat fun for you to be able to do it. Um, you do a really, really great job and everything you do is informative. I really liked what Chris said about we, I always feel like you have a little bit of a different take too, which I really like. Like it's, it, it adds, it adds an element and a, and a, a, a robust nature to the work. So we, re- we really appreciate what you do. Um, oh, thank you. Levi I just don't want to bore myself. If I get bored at myself, then it's then it's all over. So, uh, and I, I get easily bored. So I got to mix things up a little bit. Well, try living in the Midwest if you want boring. So. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm a I'm five minutes away from cornfields here and tornadoes. So, anyhow, uh, last time you were on with us, Levi, you were covering the Texas Rangers, and um, I wanted to get your take on what you think they might do to improve the club before the trade deadline. Now, obviously we know that they've already added a role this Chapman to the bullpen mix. Uh, a lot of people think that he's going to end up being the closer. I don't necessarily share that opinion at this point. Uh, Will Smith has done a really good job for them. I don't know. We'll see how that all plays out, but it's a couple it, games already though. They, yeah, he, did, he said he they're going to do a co-closer thing now with Smith and, and Chapman, depending on what pocket of hitters is up. So I think it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but based on your knowledge of the team, which is uh, higher than most people, I would say, what do you think they might be doing to to improve the team before the trade trade deadline, if anything? Yeah, I think they still need probably at least a couple more bullpen arms. Um, now, whether they think that you know Alex Spees is throwing 100 miles an hour in the minor leagues and has had a pretty good year, maybe he's somebody they want to call up. Um, but whether it's somebody that they call up or whether it's an, an acquisition, I think probably right now they've got a few arms that they trust in the bullpen and a few that they ne- don't necessarily, uh, which is probably the case with every team. I think I'm not telling anybody anything new. Um, the rotation, which was expected to be like a really strong suit coming into the season, 
you know, it was Jacob Grom, Nate Valdi, John Gray, um, Martin Perez, who was supposed to be the fifth one at that point. Like, uh, who am I forgetting? As soon as I start saying it, I forget it. Uh, Dane Dunning. Dane uh, Dunning. Dun- yeah, Dunning has been better than I expected him to be. He's came, come back from the hip surgery and really been an effective big league starter. I think he's looking like a pretty solid number three right now. Nate Valdi had a really hot stretch where he looked like an ace, a little bit less lately, but has been very good for them. Uh, John Gray has been very good for them, just has not gotten any run support. And, of course, Jake DeGrom is on the injured list. Martin Perez. Oh, Andrew Heaney is the one that I was forgetting. Huh. Um, Dunning was like the sixth guy, and he's come up and really filled the spot. Uh, Dunning has basically filled the DeGrom spot. Andrew Heaney and Martin Perez are the two, I think, that a lot of the second half relies on. Perez was an all-star last year. Seems to have reverted back a little bit to his production level uh, of, of the years prior this year. And then Andrew Heaney uh, seems he had a very good start, his last start. Um, but in the five or six starts before that, it was really looking like that Dodgers magic had worn off. And that leaves you with one uh, very established starter in Evaldi, who's got postseason experience. You can rely on him. Great. Uh, one very good starter in John Gray, who doesn't have the postseason experience. And then Dane Dunning, who you hope is going to keep this up, but you don't really know. And he's not an overpowering guy. It's, you know, command and, and uh, stuff. So I do think that uh, maybe another starting pitcher, depending on the, on the, um, the price would be good. And then as far as left field goes, Travis Jankowski's had a really surprisingly good year this year. He's been one of their, as far as average and speed, he's very, he's been very good. Um, and Ezekiel Duran has also had some hot streaks. He's had some cold streaks. I don't think he is. Uh, I, I think he's probably a, a, a big leaguer. I think he is a regular big leaguer if he can just develop a little more consistency. However, if you are wanting a left fielder to get you through the playoffs and into the World Series, it might not be one of those guys. Um, so, you know, that's a long answer to say probably a starter, a reliever, and one bat, whether that's a DH or a left fielder, um, would probably do the job for them. That makes sense. Um, Levi, I want to ask you, uh, we usually ask everybody who comes on in season about one player the rest of the way who maybe is under the radar, uh, someone who may surprise us. So I'm wondering who you think that might be for the Rangers, whether that is someone currently in the minor leagues or maybe someone on the major league team who hasn't really um, had a prominent role to this point. Ooh, man, a lot of the Rangers guys have really come on this year. You know, Josh Young looks like he's a candidate for AL Rookie of the Year. Leo Tavares appears to finally be putting it together, but people have noticed this. Um, man. Yeah, I mean, they have had a lot of guys. I mean, Jonah Heim has become... They had, they had five all-star starters. It's hard to find some under the radar. Yeah, guys. I mean, they've, they've been so good. Um I would have said Jonah Heim, but he literally started the All Star game. Yeah. <laughs> we can't count him. Uh, let me let me let me take a look here and see if I can think of. Uh, I mean, Travis Jankowski might be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. He's um, he's been kind of a role player for most of his career. wasn't even going to make the big league roster uh, out of out of camp this year. He was. They had already informed him that he was not making the team. And then Leody Tavares was injured, and they had to go back and be like, "Hey, never mind. Do you want to come up?" be on the opening day roster and he was cool with it. He did not hold a grudge, but he's in, you know, we're looking at 57 games. So he's played, you know, it's not 90 
plus games because he spent some time on the injured list as well. But 50, it's not nothing. It's 165 plate appearances. He's a bench guy, right? Like a fourth outfielder. Dude is hitting 326 with a 421 on base percentage. No slug is only 418. He's not somebody you want up there when you need a three run home run to win the game. But that's a valuable piece for a guy that has some above average speed and very good defense to be on a playoff roster. If you're up two runs and it's the ninth inning and I don't know, maybe you're facing, it won't be the Cardinals this year, but maybe it's the last out of the world series and you don't want Nelson Cruz in right field. Maybe Travis Frankowski is the guy that you put in. Um, <laughs> sorry, Rangers fans. It's never going to not hurt. So yeah, I mean, I, I think he's been a very valuable, um, piece for the Rangers this year and has come up big in a few big moments. So I don't know. It's, I guess, I guess a bench guy counts as being under the radar. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good call out even for uh, us fantasy players. I mean, he's more of like a deep league play, but he's definitely mm-hmm. someone that, that could be valuable, uh, you know, in, in terms of getting you some stolen bases. He's got a really low strikeout rate. So I think the average could be good. So on a week that the Rangers are, are playing a bunch of right handed pitchers, I think he's definitely a guy you could take a look at uh, and plug in there. Um, for I think sure. That's a good call out. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting. You know, I got to see him play up here in Chicago uh, last week before the All-Star break, and he played left field. He was actually playing left field in that game where they blew the call at the plate and they called Andrew safe mm. for obstruction, which I'm didn't really, you say that. It it really didn't appear call. to be obstruction. It looked really like a bad call, but that was a great throw that he made. And I was like, man, Travis Jankowski got a lot better than what I remember him on the Mets and the Padres and all the other teams that he's been on. So um, he, he might become a good answer for uh, the Immaculate Grid one of these days, you know. So oh, I'm going to wow. I'm going to keep him. I'm going to keep him in mind. You know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at Travis Jankowski. He played uh, okay, 16 games with the Reds, 76 of the Phillies, but played one game last year with the Mariners. One game, he got yeah. one plate appearance, and now he's got a 142 WRC plus this season. So. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild, yeah. isn't it? It sure is. Interesting stuff. Um, any any thoughts um, as we kind of wrap up with you, Levi? You've given us a lot of time and uh, always really good food for thought. Do you have any thoughts uh, at a little bit more than the halfway point now, I guess, uh, and the rule changes that we've seen so far this year as to whether they've been good, bad, or kind of a neither to you? Um, I think they've been good. It's It has, I mean, not only, <coughs> i sorry, excuse me. I leave the beat after seven years, and this is the year that games are going two hours and 20 minutes now instead of four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think they've been great. I think they've made the games a lot more watchable. You're still, you know, I think early on you had the quote-unquote purists who were like, but they were also taking the stance that the game shouldn't be more like they were in the 1980s and 70s and before. So that's confusing. But going, no, you know, we're, we're paying for this. Give us our money's worth. And like, my dudes, you don't go to a movie and be like, ah, oh, that movie was only two hours. I wish it had been four and a half. I would have really gotten my money's worth. A movie goes four and a half hours. You're angry unless you're like a super, super, super fan. Most people aren't. Most people don't go to the ball game to spend their entire like evening and night and get the kids home at midnight or 1230 in the morning. The pitch clock has been great. My one thing that I would change about it is if this pitch could be the last pitch of the game, turn off the clock. And, and to be fair, you know, maybe you just have to turn it off for the ninth inning. Maybe that's how it, 
how you do it. But you don't want a playoff game. There's two outs. Home team's trailing by two, but the bases are loaded. It's a full count, and the batter forgets to look up in time. The umpire comes out. That's it. Season's over, or that team's season is over. You have to avoid that at all costs. So if it could be the last pitch of the game. So if it's the bottom of the ninth inning, nobody on base, and there's two outs, keep it rolling. Let's go. But, you know, bottom of the ninth inning, it's a one-run game, and there's a runner on first. Clock over. Sorry, no, two outs. Two outs, the the clock should be off on the bottom of the ninth inning. But yeah, basically, whatever the rule, however many runners there are on base, whatever is two outs, if this pitch could end the game, no clock. And that would be the one change I would make. Everything else has been great. The shift has been great. You're seeing more hits. You're seeing um, more action. Uh, I think more stolen bases has been hugely fun. The Reds have really taken advantage of it and made themselves a fun team despite having lost their last four. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. is running with a wild man. It's great. I love it. And as much as I am always cynical of anything that Rob Manfred does because I, well, for reasons that I don't, I guess I don't have to say here, uh, nothing shady that everybody else doesn't know. I just think he's uh, patronizing. Good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just trying to think of a better way. I'm like, you can see my brain. You can't see if you're not watching video, but those of you uh, who can see me, my brain, you can just see it worrying going, just don't just stop. Um, Mm -hmm. No, I credit him for this. I think he did a great Mm -hmm. job. And if this is his legacy, if he sort of overcomes all of the other garbage that he's done that I disagree with, then fine. Let's call it a wash. Great job uh, bringing these rules in. I think it has been very good for the game. It's made it more watchable. Um, more enjoyable, and I think they should keep it. I would just change that one little rule about the pitch clock. I like that a lot. Um, you know, maybe what we'll do in celebration is we can all just beat garbage cans uh, to celebrate Rob Manfred. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to get that in. I apologize. No, um, so Levi, uh, thanks again for coming back on with us. We know that you're a, b- a pretty busy guy and got a lot going on. Can you tell us where our, our listeners can find you and, and about any big projects that you might have coming up that we should be watching for on Twitter? Um, yeah, I mean, just if you go to uh, the Athletics website, or if you just Google like the Athletic, the windup, uh, my name, Ken Rosenthal. I should have this link memorized by now. I just don't. So it's, but I mean, it's, it's easy to find. It's the windup. It's me. It's Ken Rosenthal. It's Monday through Friday, every day in your inbox. And that is free. You do not even have to have a subscription to the athletic to sign up for that. Uh, we just crossed a hundred thousand subscribers this week, which is awesome. insane to me. That's right. wild wow. to me. I'm sitting here typing, uh, words about how the 1990 Donruss Nolan Ryan King of Kings card looks like a drunk rodeo clown named Dale. Uh, I love that, man. That was so good. <laughs> I just, I just have to like put it out of my mind that this is going out to more people, uh, than I've probably ever even met in my life. So, uh, that's crazy. But yeah, that's, that's how you find me. Um, that's all I'm doing these days. I, I get to write the occasional ranger story, but, um, but no, I'm I'm a I'm a newsletter man now, baby. That's what I do. Well, you're doing a terrific job with it, and we're really glad to have you back on. We'd we'd love to have you on again later on in the in the season if you have availability. But thanks again for joining us, Levi, and uh, try to stay cool down there as best as you can. I'm I'm literally sweating. I'm inside. My air conditioning is on, and I'm still sweating. This is it's stupid down here. Maybe I should move to the Midwest. 
Well, we've got the smoke from the Canada fires right now. So uh, for what it's worth. Um, I've got smoke from my armpits right now. I think we're even. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Levi. Thanks again for your time. We appreciate you, pal. All right. Take care. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was good. That was very good. He's awesome. He's great. He's such a great guy, and he's just really interesting to listen talk. Like, I feel like I could just have a couple of beers and just sit back and listen, just feed him stuff and have him tell us. You know? He's just, he's very, I think I've mentioned this before, he's like very not a beat writer. Like, he's just so cerebral, you know, yeah. like you just don't see that um, from a lot of other people in that role. So it's pretty cool. And that's well, probably uh, why he got the job, right? Because he has yeah. kind of a different take on, on things. I like that. I like that. Thinker. Yeah. Uh, don't look now, but the 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 uh, I saw the, I looked. The, the Mets, Mets are winning five to nothing. Uh, I guess Lucas Giolito doesn't want to get traded. Yeah, uh, you know, I always think about that when these guys are in the middle of trade uh, talks. Like, I feel like that. Maybe it's anecdotal, but I feel like that happens a lot. You know, like they just they don't play well during that time. So, yep. Not that it matters for the White Sox. I want them to start moving people now. I got into a, a heated uh, Facebook argument with a guy that's on the White Sox uh, premium page and about Tim Anderson. And I was, I was like, dude, he hasn't been good for a really long time. And he's like, he was the best shortstop in the American League for three years ago. No, he wasn't. No, to, please stop. Please stop. Yeah. All right. Hey, I know we. I know we both yeah, want to kind of get on a timeline. Do you want to get yeah. going on the next part? Let's do it. Okay. Welcome back, Fantasy Baseball Beat fans. You're back here with Mike Carter and Chris Torres, and we're going to do the second part of the show, just the two of us. Um, cue the Bill Withers song right now, right, Torres? Yeah, I was going to start singing, man. <laughs> I, you know, I don't think I've ever heard you sing. You don't. You don't want it's, to, trust me. There's a, re- there's a reason, right? Okay, there is that's, a reason, yeah. That's kind of what I figured, because I know you, you have a lot of music in your soul, I know. No, not really, but okay. But yeah, I like how you bring up a, you said fantasy baseball beat fans. Like I'm picturing like, you know, a bunch of, a uh, bunch of people like waiting outside my house, uh, for my autograph or something. All these fans that we have. Well, I, I think we do have some fans. I, we have people that are listening on a weekly basis and we they do, give us, we do, we, I know, which I know. is great. I just um, like the term fans, you know? It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it makes me feel good. You know, like I, yeah. I'm hope, I'm hopeful that we have some fans and I'm, Hopeful that those fans will be in Arizona at first pitch in Arizona yeah. in November and buy me beers. I'll, I'll sign autographs. Uh, you won't be able to read it because my handwriting is awful, but um, I'd rather have a beer and talk with people than anything. So, Chris, wanted to talk with you today about you know, when we do our second part of the show, we always talk about one fantasy related takeaway from the past week. And I feel like you do a really good job of identifying these things. And for those of you that have listened to us before, or maybe those of you that have not and are giving us a chance this time, we talk about a fantasy related takeaway that can be an individual player, a league trend, a strategy, any of those types of things. Chris, what do you, what's your takeaway from the long weekend? All right. So I'm in this 12 team league. Um, I've been in this home league for almost 10 years now. Uh, I've talked about this league before and a few things happened in this league recently that got me thinking. I wanted me, uh, that I wanted to bring up on, on the show. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give you to keep with the theme of the show. I'm going to give you two takeaways. 
um, from the from the past week here. And the first one is every bench spot that you have. Now, let me give you some context. So I over the weekend I saw in this league someone dropped Brewstar Gratterall. And this is a, a 12 team league and uh six bench spots. And I saw that. And I'm like, why does this person have Brewstar Gratterall in a 12 team league at this point? You know, like he hasn't been that good for a while. Like we know, I mean, Evan Phillips pretty much is the Dodgers closer. Um, like you're really not getting much out of that guy. And it got me thinking, like, I've seen this repeatedly. Like people have players on their teams that are just like, why? Like in a 12 team league, these guys shouldn't be rostered. And if you're using a bench spot on them, you are really hurting yourself. So one of my takeaways is, especially if you are in like a shallower league, a 12 or a, a 10 teamer, every spot that you have should have, uh, or every player that you have on your bench should have a path to upside or should have some specific purpose, right? Like a Bruce Star Gratterall, that's not serving you any purpose. And I think that's where people make a, make mistakes in shallow leagues. Like you really got, you, you have to maximize your bench, even in deeper leagues too. Um, I see this in like my main event. So that is one of my takeaways uh, from this week. The other thing uh, that applies to this league, it is, it is a trading league. And, when people make trade offers, now this is my advice to listeners. If you are going to send out a trade offer, before you do it, actually take a look at the other person's team and try to put yourself in their shoes. Okay, what I mean by that is like look at what their needs are and try to negotiate a deal. Like the first offer you send, the person you're sending the deal to should look at that and say, oh, well, I could probably use such and such, a third baseman, a shortstop. I see way too often, like, I'll get trade offers that are just like, my first reaction is, why would I do this? You know, it's like, I, I have uh, plenty of hitting, but they're sending me, like, you know, a home run hitter. And it's like, well, why? Why would I accept that? So if you want to get better at making trades, actually, like, Put yourself in that other person's shoes. Have some freaking empathy. You know, like it's funny. Like I joke around sometimes. Like I could tell a lot about a person by the way they negotiate trades, you know, because like someone who's going to send like a bunch of offers that make no sense. That tells me like you kind of lack like the ability to put yourself in another person's shoes or you just don't care, you know. So those are my two, uh, I, I guess, words of advice. Make sure your, your bench, everybody on your bench has a purpose. And make sure when you send trades that you are considering what the other person needs. You bet. I've had a similar run in my home league too, where I'm I'm usually pretty competitive. Um, usually finish in the top three uh, most of the time. I would say unless I have bad run of luck, which does happen in our in our game, right? But um, there's a couple of teams in our league that are really really bad, and I've been trying to offer them what I think are attractive packages of prospects that they could keep. Uh, for guys that can help me right now in the short term. And nobody wants to make those trades. They're overvaluing what they have and undervaluing the fact that I could trade them, say, uh, a Matt McClain or um, you know, someone of that nature, you know, that I would be willing to move in the right deal to strengthen my team now. And I, I, I've pretty much learned this year I'm not going to trade for pitching. Um, I'm just going to kind of let it ride with pitching for better or for worse when it comes to, to that in my home league. But it's interesting what you said, Torres, about the the bench spots because I'm in a real predicament. 
I'm in Galarf, as you know, and I've been hovering anywhere between fourth and sixth place most of the year, which is a good showing for me. Now, I, I've been pretty honest about my shortcomings in Glarf. I finished last the first year and second to last last year. So I'm in the mix this year. I, I drafted a different team this year and, and went through it a little bit differently. But my problem is this. I have Royce Lewis, Aaron Judge, and Nestor Cortez on my bench. And I have held on to them because of the fact that I feel, in looking at that, that the contributions that those guys would give me when they're back would be better than anything that I would find on the free agent market. Now, I was talking to our good friend of the show, Dave Funnel, over the weekend, and he said, you got, you probably should get rid of Royce Lewis. And I hemmed and hawed all day about it on Sunday. And at the last minute, I decided to pull my fab bid and I'm going to see what happens. And now they're saying that he's been shut down. So I got, you know, I, I have the depth to be able to withstand it. But to your point, in a fab league on NFBC, man, you cannot keep those bench spots clogged up with guys that you think are going to be coming back. Now, Judge is a different story, I think. Um, it sounds like he might actually be back next week, fingers crossed. But. You know, those other guys, I probably should have churned. And I think that's always, to me, there's always a lesson to learn in those things. And I'm continuing to learn. And I probably should have done that, don't you think? Well, I mean, with Cortez and Judge, I, I don't think you could have dropped them. But yeah, Royce Lewis, probably this weekend, I would have. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. I think, you know, those, those are reasonable. Uh, you know, holding him until that point made sense. Um, but yeah, just like, you use the word churn, and, and I think that's the key. Like, especially again in these shallower leagues, you should be constantly, you know, there should be two spots on your bench that basically you're swapping guys in and out, uh, every week, you know, holding on to guys for that really have no upside. Uh, you're just, you're hurting your team and mm-hmm. you see the best players, especially, you know, like the people play the online championships. If you look at the way they play, they are just constantly. Um, there's a lot of turnover on their team. So uh, definitely, I think that is uh, an area that people can improve in, uh, and, and that'll make you a better player. For sure. And that's really good advice. I appreciate that, Chris. I think that that's something that I'm trying to do a little bit more of, and I have been doing more of that churn at the bottom of the roster just to add in uh, flexibility and, and, and pieces that I might need in the short term. I had a tendency not to do that in the years past, and I'm doing that better this year. And I think a lot of that is because of my friendship and relationship with you and understanding a little bit more about how you view roster construction and have had more success in the higher stakes leagues than what I've had. So, um, so thank you for that. So question I have for you here is, um, what one hitter and one pitcher are you interested in either trading for or picking up off of waivers here in the next you know few days to a week? So I say this one, ten, both of these are, are kind of uh, tentative uh, suggestions here. The first one, uh, first player I have is a hitter, Chaz McCormick. And the only reason I'm a little tentative here is because I don't know how things are going to play out when Jordan Alvarez comes back. And I, I think he should be back fairly soon. Uh, but McCormick has been playing every day in his absence. Uh, before it was just kind of a mess with like Jake Myers, McCormick, Corey Jolks. Like there wasn't anybody getting like consistent everyday playing time. So I don't know if it's going to go back to that or if McCormick has done enough to kind of solidify his role. But. I mean, his skills are really encouraging over the past couple of weeks here. 
I mean, everything has, you know, he's like at the top of the leaderboards for uh, quality of contact metrics. He's, uh, you know, got like a, let's see, over the past few weeks here, he's got an 18% barrel rate. He's making good contact. Um, you know, he's not, he's hitting the ball in the air, fly balls in line drives. He's not uh, chasing out of the zone. So all of the underlying skills, and he's running too over the past 30 days. I think he's attempted uh, four steals. So, you know, he's, he's not a zero there. Uh, so he's someone I'm looking at in the middle. He's, he's hitting obviously in a good lineup, usually like fifth to six. So he's someone I'd be looking at, uh, in like a 12 team league and 15s. I think he's pretty much scooped up, but in a 12 teamer where he's only like 25% rostered in CBS, uh, I think he's someone I would take a look at monitor again, that playing time when Alvarez comes back. But, uh, you know, everything is looking, the skills are, are, are looking really good for him lately. And I'll give you one pitcher. And again, this is, you know, uh, a deep league. Well, McCormick is, is more of like a medium league. Uh, this player, I think, is more of a deep league play. And that's uh, Shintaro Fujinami on the Oakland A's. And actually, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Mike, because you're, you're our, bull, our bullpen guy. And I feel like there's a good chance that he could get, um, some play as as a closer in Oakland, uh, assuming that they trade Trevor May, which I don't see any reason why they keep Trevor May at this point. Uh, but Fujinami has been showing some interesting skills over the past few weeks here. We know the stuff is good. We know he's got strikeout ability. His issue has been with walks. Uh, when, when he was in the rotation at the beginning of the year, uh, his control was terrible. Uh, over the past few weeks, though, he really has... Uh, cut down on the walks, actually only a 2% walk rate over the past uh, 13 innings. So very small sample. But the fact that he could do that in any sample, uh, you know, is is encouraging. So he's someone to keep an eye on and someone who I think, you know, he has a contract already. So there's no issues with like arbitration or so I could see him stepping into that role. So quickly, what do you say about Fujinami, Mike? Do you think they could put him in there? Oh, I absolutely think that that's a possibility. I, I don't see them trading him, obviously, based on, like you said, with the contract and whatnot. And I think Trevor May was actually purchased to be sold at this yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I definitely think it's a, it's a strong possibility. He's been better. And I know his, his numbers are not going to necessarily belie that. But as you pointed out, you know, his last few outings, um, in, in, in July, um, he's two and one with a 257 ERA, 10 strikeouts in seven innings, and more importantly, no walks. Yeah. I, I, de- I definitely think it's a possibility. And it's funny because not to, not to name drop Dave again, but Dave had brought him up about 10 days ago to me and I laughed when he said it. He goes, I'm thinking about, you know, Fujinami, adding Fujinami in a deep league. And I was like, what the hell for? And, uh, and then I looked at it and Dave was on it. You know, I mean, he's been much better. So I do think that they're going to trade Trevor May and probably Sam Mole too. I would, ima- I would imagine both have some value to somebody. Um, and I think that you, you're onto something there. I think that could definitely be, uh, something that could work out there in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Get out ahead yeah. of it now, you know, pick him up before the, before the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. As for me, one hitter that I was sort of interested in, I, I did pick up Chaz McCormick in my home league this past weekend uh, to go along with my other pickup, which was Trent Grisham. I'm hoping that those guys will help me catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle. They've both been hitting pretty well here the last few weeks. But a guy that I'm interested in is Dane Myers, um, especially as a short-term asset. He's a 27-year-old rookie, and he's hitting in Florida so far 
the one thing that we're kind of waiting on there are some counting stats. He's got one home run and no stolen bases last I checked, but he had three hits last night, and I think he had three hits on uh, Sunday. You know, and hanging around with Luis Arise, maybe he'll uh, rub off some hits on him. I don't know, but Dane Myers has been somebody in the short term, especially in deeper leagues, that you might want to take a look at, especially if you need some outfield help. And a pitcher, I know you're going to probably laugh at me when I bring this up, and you can, and and folks that are listening, you can do the same thing. But a guy that I think is going to get an, a, a chance here is Tuki Toussaint, who's pitching for the White Sox right now. And a lot of people probably don't know that, but the Sox are set to purge probably at least 40% to maybe 60% of their rotation. I'm anticipating that Lance Lynn is going to move, anticipating that Lucas Giolito is going to move, and that Mike Clevenger might also be on the move as well. I also heard today that the Astros have their eyes set on Dylan Cease, who is said to not be available, and I would be surprised if they did trade him. He's their one asset in the starting rotation that they could really hold on to for a little bit longer. But Toussaint is the guy, you know, we talk about this, I feel like we talk about this every week, and you can shoot me down, but he's going to get a rotation spot after they purge this rotation. He's got pedigree. This was a guy that was a first-round draft pick going back some time and pitched in the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, um, system for a while before kind of bouncing around to different places. The Sox have been using him in piggybacking with uh, Jesse Schultens and other guys uh, in the middle of games, and he's actually been pretty effective. The one problem that he has, and it's a a career-long problem that he's had, is limiting the free passes. You know, if he's able to do that, he doesn't give up a lot of hits. He's got a really good curveball. If he gives, if he stops the free passes, he could be somebody in the short term that you might have some interest in uh, looking at. Another guy, just kind of a bonus to that too, would be uh, Alec Marsh, who has shown some strikeout capabilities uh, over there in uh, Kansas City. So a, a little bit of a couple deep reaches there, but some guys that you know might be able to provide you some assistance at least in the short term. Um, moving, you know along, what Tuchisant's real name is? I do not know that. Danny Gilbert Kitty Toussaint. Just thought you should all know that. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder where Tuki came from. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. That's I like that. I like that. So, okay. So, Chris, one of the things that we also talk about in the second half of our show is a bullpen situation that we should be watching. For those of you who know what I do on the side here, I work for Fantrax covering the bullpens on a weekly basis. And looking at closers and looking at guys that could also get holds and watching the uh, the ships roll in here as the different things change with the bullpens. But one that I'm a, a little bit interested in here. Now, that it's you know, when I say interested, I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, we're all interested in a lot of different bullpens and looking for saves and whatnot. And there are some big name guys that could move in the next couple of weeks. Um, I wrote about it last weekend. You know, Josh Hader is a guy that could be on the move out of San Diego depending on how they look at the trade deadline. Devin Williams is another one that would be a bit of a long shot, but the Brewers have shown that they're willing to make interesting trades in the past as when they traded Hayter last year. I think that um, short of those things happening, though, we're always looking for saves in odd places. And Hunter Harvey had been the the guy who I had been touting to become the closer in Washington. And going back to the winter, we had talked about the possibility that Harvey could get some safe chances. Um, he's down with injury right now. He's got a triceps injury, and there's really no word yet on how long he's going to be out, which pushes Finnegan back into the closer role until he gets traded next week, I would think. Uh, should that happen and Harvey be on the shelf, 
We could be looking at a Mason Thompson situation and perhaps even a Jordan Weems situation looking for saves. So there's a lot of things to watch in bullpens here over the course of the next few weeks. There's a number of arms, I think, that are going to get moved. If you didn't see my piece over the weekend, I highlighted quite a few of those guys. The White Sox have a few guys in Keenan Middleton, Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman. Uh, the, the Mets could have an interesting situation there if they decide to move David Robertson or Adam Adovino or even Brooks Raley in the right situation. So we'll definitely be watching and keeping track of that for you. But with Harvey going back down to injury and Finnegan being on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, Finnegan might be worth a speculative grab, even though we know that Washington is not going to win a lot of games and probably not have too many save opportunities at this point. Moving I was along. about to start busting out there a, um, uh, you know, the song, we got friends in low places. I was going to oh, yeah. bust out. Uh, we got saves in odd places, but you know, we've got so many fans that I don't want to scare away. So uh, we'll, we'll move on. Well, you know, Levi was a touring singer and songwriter. Maybe he could write us a song that could become our theme song. Yes. Yes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> got fr- I got, I got saves in weird places, man. That's yeah. for sure. For sure. Um, so, Chris, you know, as we head towards the end of our, our show here this week, the one thing that we focus on a lot and that we both get a lot of feedback on from the people that listen is our Mental Health Minute. And I'd like to ask you, what's one thing that you're doing this week to take care of your overall wellness or, or your mental health or both? So this week, um, I just want to quickly talk about something I saw. Actually, Dick Vitale. Uh, posted something on Twitter the other day that it really stuck out to me. And it's been something I've been trying to, uh, uh, to incorporate into my own life. And it was like some motivational, I guess he does these ever so often. Uh, he puts out like a motivational message and just what he talked about the other day hit home. He was saying how uh, in so many words, basically don't, don't worry about what other people are, uh, are doing, you know, like just, do what you can in each moment to just be the best version of yourself. Just, just be mindful. Just be, be focused on what you can do. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to beat other people. Just try to like beat what you accomplished the day before, you know, and just kind of keep that focus. And, uh, you know, this kind of, it, it reminded me too of a conversation I had with my daughter. You know, she's seven and she, you know, she's starting to notice like what some of her friends have that maybe she doesn't or, or maybe like talents that maybe other people have that she doesn't. And, you know, I was having a conversation with her uh, about that. And, you know, while it's normal, I think we all that's kind of like wired into us, right? Like to compare to a certain degree. Yes. Um, yes. I think that for a lot of us that can really you know, that, that can get to an extreme, become very detrimental. And, and it's been that way for me in the past. And I'm certainly not, uh, not perfect or not where I want to be in that area, but I feel like I've within the past couple of years made a lot of progress in just really like stopping with the comparison or looking what other people are doing. It, it, it's really, it's wasted energy, right? And that's what I was telling her. It just, it's accomplishing nothing. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a reference point and maybe you see something you want and then you can make that a goal of yours to work towards, but, uh, to just like compare yourself and then, you know, see what someone else has and then get down on yourself. Like that's, that's not accomplishing anything at all. So, uh, yeah, between the conversation I had with her and and seeing that video the other day, kind of, it's been on my mind. So I just wanted to share that. That's awesome. 
really well done. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's so it's such an important thing. You know that we talk about mental health and we talk about it in terms of ourselves all the time, but those little moments are really, really key things. And a lot of times they get swept under the rug or we don't pay attention to them. And they're really, really important. You know, as for me, I'm uh, I decided that I'm taking next week off. No, I'm not, you know, not from everything, but from, you know, just from work. Um, my primary job, as I've talked about before, I'm a principal of a therapeutic day school outside of Chicago. Uh, it can be fairly high stress. There can be a lot of, um, dismay and a lot of different things that are going on, a lot of turmoil, I guess you could say, during the course of the school year. We had our summer session that just wrapped up last week, and I'm a 12-month employee, so I'm expected to continue to work, uh, even as the staff are on vacation and, and doing the things that they should be doing. And they should be doing that. It's really important. But I came to this realization the other day. Uh, it was pretty stark, I think, for me. And it, it was something that had been in the back of my mind, and it really kind of came to the surface um, this past week. And I decided to take the week off next week. We, we recently bought a, a pop-up camper, and we're going to take it camping next week. So we've been making preparations every day just of things that you need to buy when you have a camper, things that I never would have thought of that my wife thought of. Um, you know, spend $5,000 on a camper and then spend another $1,000 on the shit that she thinks that we need for it, you know. Um, but we really need that time to unplug together as a family. You know, no computers, no phone calls from work. The school year starts for me on August 14th again, and so that's looming around the corner, and I've been working all summer. So I'm going to go unplug for a week. I'm going to set the outgoing email on the Outlook, and I'm not going to look back. And the reason why I'm going to do that is similar to the conversation that you had with Sophia. My daughter Ellie is 16 and going into her junior year of high school. Jack's about to turn 13 next week, or two weeks from now, I should say. These summers and this time that we have with our kids and with our families are fleeting, man. They go so fast, you know, and we always think about that. We always say, well, you know, I'll do this when I have time. I'll, you know, when I have time, I'll, I'll take care of it. But, you know, um, a, a good friend of mine had a ro his roommate from college who was 49, same age as I am, and dropped out of a heart attack three weeks ago, you know, and, and I'm sure that uh, he was saying the same things, you know, oh, I'll do that when I have time or I'll do that when I get to retire. We don't have that as a guarantee, man. We know that. I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but I could get struck by a bolt of lightning on my way out to my truck on my way home from school, and it could be game over, right? You know, having had a near-death experience with running a few years ago, which I've talked about with you before, you know, I don't take that time for granted. So we're going to unplug next week. We're all going to go together. We're going to make that time count together because that time is going to be fleeting. And, you know, two summers from now, I'll be preparing to take Ellie to college. And uh, it will be a very different life when that happens. I mean, you feel like that chapter of your life is starting to close a little bit, even though there will always be my kids and I'll always be there for them and they'll always be welcome wherever I am. But, man, 16 and 13, I, I'm sitting there the other day thinking, I remember when she fit from my elbow to the tip of my middle finger in my arm, rocking her while I was studying for my principal exam, you know. This shit goes really fast, guys and girls and anybody in between. So make sure that you're living it and, and paying attention to those little things. And so it's not necessarily a mental health minute, but it's something that I really want to make sure that, you know, we address with ourselves and with our friends too. Like sometimes you just got to disengage, you know, like I love doing the show with you. It's a huge thing for me on a weekly basis. It's a huge relief for me from the things that are going on, but we need to really make sure that we make that time for each other and that we talk, you know? And so that's, that's it for me for the week. That's it. That's all I wanted to focus on, on, mental health minute here wait a second are we having a podcast next week or 
I'm planning on it. I'm planning oh, okay. on it. Right. Yeah, I yeah, planning <laughs> on it. Yeah, no, I'm plan. I that to me, that's a different thing. That's part of the relaxation game, man. That's gotcha. part of the that's part of the play. So, uh, anyway, um, and if there's nothing further, Chris, anything you want to add for the good of the order here before we sign off? Well, man, it's my anniversary, so honestly, I gotta I gotta get moving and practice my uh, the one move that I referenced earlier. So we'll uh, we'll end it there. That that move probably involves diamonds. I'm hoping because your wife is a saint <laughs> with what she has to put up with with you. Absolutely. No, no, seriously, Chris. As always, it's been a great time. I really enjoy doing this with you. It's something that I look forward to every week. Appreciate our ability to do this together, and more than that, appreciate your friendship. So. For Chris Torres, I'm Mike Carter signing off on the Fantasy Baseball Beat for this week. You can always hit us in the DMs if you guys have any questions. If you do listen and you're on Spotify or on iTunes, if you could drop a rating and and share that with people, we would be most appreciative. Until next time, thank you. Peace. Have a great rest of your week.